1: Jesus Christ as Savior means that we've acknowledged Christ's death on the cross as full payment for the debt of our sins. And so true prayer offered to God is done so on the basis of the death of Christ Jesus, His Son.
0: Have you made some New Year's resolutions? <laughs> well, hopefully the ones you did make, you're still keeping. Was prayer involved in your resolutions? On a little sticky note I have here in the studio as I produce these programs, I've written the three simple words pray about it. When things get a little uncertain, do you pray about them? Do you pray for others? This is Study Verse by Verse from Church of the Highlands in San Bruno, and today, Pastor Leighton Sheely is going to take us through his thoughts about a New Year's resolution we should all make. Pray more and often.
1: You know, prayer is absolutely essential to growing spiritually and healthy in the Lord. And and that's been true since the very beginning. Those early Christians devoted themselves to prayer. We're told that in in the book of Acts chapter 2. The book of Acts is the history of the early church, and we find this description of early believers in chapter 2, and it begins at verse 42. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to the breaking of bread and to prayer. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. And so they were growing individually. They were growing numerically as a group. It was a dynamic, growing church. The people loved gathering together so often, they went to the temple every day so that they could be together. And they enjoyed such a deep and wonderful, sweet fellowship that it filled their hearts with gladness. They hung out together. They enjoyed hanging out together. Verse 46, they said, "...they broke bread in their homes..." and ate together. They got together in their homes for meals. You know, there was a time when that was a lot more common in America than it is today. It's not very common in America. We invite people over for dinner anymore, is it? So maybe this coming year, you might think about making that a priority, uh, inviting somebody in the church family to come and have dinner with you in your home. But they, they, they got together in each other's homes, and, and, uh, and whenever somebody was in need, they, they developed such deep relationships. They knew about the need, and they responded to the need in meeting the need, sometimes even to the point of being sacrificial, and yet they did it with joy. They, they really connected with one another. That's why it's so important for us to connect with one another. And there's many ways of doing that, like the connection groups. And the Bible says everyone looked on them favorably. Everyone. Not just the people in the church, but the people outside of the church. We're watching the people and, and recognize there was something special something really attractive about these Christians. Jesus said, by this will people know that you're my disciples if you have love for one another. These people were filled with love for one another, and it showed. Now, verse 42 describes their spiritual habits. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to the breaking of bread and to prayer. They devoted themselves. You see, spiritual growth... Requires devotion. It requires intentionality. It requires dedication to these four spiritual habits. The first one is the apostles' teaching. Now, those early believers had the privilege of actually listening to the apostles. Teach Now, we don't have that privilege today, but the apostles' teaching has been passed to us through the writings of the New Testament. And when we sit down and we study and read the New Testament, we are devoting ourselves to the apostles' teaching. And that's why it's so important that we read our Bible for ourselves each and every day. The second discipline was to fellowship. And someone long ago described fellowship as a bunch of fellows in a ship. Fellowship, Right? And the, and the idea is, is these guys are in the ship oaring together. They're working together for a common goal. And that still happens in ministries of the church today. Like, for instance, in Scrooge, where you have people from different age groups, and they bring their time and their talents together. They work together for a common goal, which is to present Scrooge as best as we can that contains the gospel to our community. And our church has many opportunities for ministries. There's big ministries, there's small ministries, there's, there's, there's dozens and dozens of ministries. And people who get involved in the ministries of the church experience a far greater degree of fellowship than those who only attend services. The, the third spiritual uh, discipline is the breaking of bread, and that includes not only having meals together together, but having communion together, and they did that in each other's home. They celebrated the life, death, and resurrection of Christ Jesus and the promise of his soon return. You see, this is what brings us together. If you look around a church, you'll see people from every age group, every cultural background, every ethnic background, different economic and social categories, and they all come together and call each other brother and sister because of what we all share. Salvation by grace through faith in Christ Jesus our Lord. And not only salvation, but adoption. We have been adopted into the family of God through Christ. Ephesians 1.5 says, He predestined us for adoption to Himself as sons through Jesus Christ according to the purpose of His will. All of this was made possible by, by what Christ accomplished on the cross, and communion brings that to our remembrance. The fourth spiritual habit is prayer. They devoted themselves to prayer. Dr. J. Vernon McGee wrote, as far as we know, the disciples never asked Jesus to teach them to preach, to prophesy, or to cast out demons. There's no record of them asking how to worship or witness or how to build a ministry or lead their families. The one thing the disciples asked of Jesus directly was, Lord, teach us to pray. Now why? I believe it is because after watching Jesus for several years, the disciples were convinced prayer was the secret of his ministry. And the foundation of all he did. These are the words of Dr. J. Vernon McGee. So, in the weeks to come, we as a church family want to learn more about prayer. We want to learn how to pray more effectively. And so, we're going to begin this week, and we're not going to be able to get it done this week. We're going to continue it next week. But we want to study the model prayer that Jesus provided for his disciples. It's found in Matthew chapter 6. It's in the middle of the Sermon on the Mount. The Sermon on the Mount covers chapters 5, 6, and 7. And so Jesus' instruction on prayer starts in chapter 6, verse 5, and it reads, And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they, they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners, that they may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father who is in secret. And forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Now this prayer is both complete and concise. It's complete because it references God's worthiness and our needs. It's also concise. You know it's less than 100 words long. And this kind of addresses this fallacy that the longer the prayer is, that the more effective it's going to be. Jesus said, pray like this, and he gave us a very brief and powerful, succinct prayer. He said, pray like this, or, or after this manner, pray. And so this is a pattern for prayer. It's not only a prayer, it's also a pattern for prayer or a model for prayer. Now, Christians have always called this the Lord's Prayer, and it is in the sense that he gave it to us, but it's probably more accurate to call it the Disciples' Prayer, because only on the lips of a disciple can this prayer have its full meaning. The Lord's Prayer can only be prayed by someone who knows what he's saying, and that cannot be known until they enter into discipleship. And a person comes into discipleship when they receive Jesus Christ as their Savior and Lord. Jesus Christ as Lord means he is in charge. He leads, we follow. Jesus Christ as Savior means that we've acknowledged Christ's death on the cross as full payment for the debt of our sins. And so true prayer offered to God is done so on the basis of the death of Christ Jesus, his Son. The author of Hebrews put it like this, Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus... Let us draw near to God by the blood of Jesus. Jesus taught the same principle when he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. You see, if it, was not for, if it wasn't for Jesus, God would have to turn a deaf ear towards every prayer. And when we realize the incredible privilege that we have of being invited into the very presence of Almighty God as our Father... And knowing that our requests, sometimes they're called petitions in Scripture, are heard and they're answered, then then prayer ceases to be a burden and a duty and instead becomes a delight. Now, with that as an introduction, let's study this passage verse by verse. And before Jesus teaches us how to pray, he teaches us how not to pray. He says, and when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, For they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at street corners, that they may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. Now, Jesus here is not telling us that we should only pray in private, because in Scripture it records for us many public prayers by both Jesus and his disciples. That's not the point here. The point is that these people were trying to pray these prayers not to God, but to impress people. And and Jesus calls them hypocrites. These prayers of the scribes and the Pharisees was insincere and it was dishonest. They weren't praying for God, they were praying for the applause of men. And and prayer in the Jewish life was, uh, the exhibition was made very easy because Jewish people are supposed to pray at 9 a.m. and noon and 3 p.m. And you can pray wherever you are. So it's, it's very easy for someone to choose to be at a street corner or a town square when the time to pray came, then everybody could see how wonderful you were and and how pious you were in your relationship with God. But Jesus insists that all true prayer must be offered to God.
0: Pastor Leighton Sheely will be back tomorrow at this same time with more on this very important subject, a New Year's resolution that we should have all made or could still make, pray more often, fervently, And for others, it will enhance our spiritual growth. If you'd like to hear this message again, you can find it on the website Highlands.us. This is an outreach of Church of the Highlands in San Bruno. And our teacher each day is Pastor Leighton Sheely. That's Highlands.us. I'm Mike Trout. Pray for this ministry, speaking of prayer. And let us know that you listen when you go to that website. Join us tomorrow when we'll once again open the Word of God and study verse by verse.